John 15, verse 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask for in my, in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Good morning, everyone. It is good to see you. And uh, we are in the month of Thanksgiving. So last week we looked a little bit at this whole idea. It's called, in one sense, to change the language slightly. Um, it's called the month of grace, gladness. Because Thanksgiving really uh, summarizes that fight. So we looked at it last week. Grace is this massive word that God greets us with. Uh, God bless you. means he gives himself to you so that he may keep you, so that he may actually be in a relationship with you and keep you in that relationship. That's really his desire. That's what we've been looking at uh, last week. And he lights his face up when he sees you because he wants to be gracious to you. He wants to start this relationship. He wants to provide for this relationship. He wants to establish this relationship. He is inviting you to this relationship, and he will sustain this relationship by his grace. So that's an enormous... I mean, the word grace, is a, it's, a, it's a thick word. It's not a thin word, if I can use that language. It has got an enormous amount of information that uh, comes with it and an enormous amount of action that comes with the word. And so when God says, I am full of grace, uh, he says, I, I, I'm seeking you. I have come to you first. We're going to see something of that to this, this morning again. I'm the one who comes to you in gladness. Uh, I want to establish a relationship with you. I want to invite you. I want to provide. I'm going to keep this thing going. Um, and so that's one of the incredible things that uh, we kind of looked at last week. So words like grace, thanksgiving, uh, rejoice, and joy all have the same root in Greek. It means to bring favor in order to establish a relationship. Uh, and so that's what we have been looking at. So I'm not sure if you, how did you go this week? Uh, I see that Nicola, who came up with the idea that next week all of you will come up with a slogan or a word to greet one another. She's not here today. So are you guys off the hook? Been greeting one another with grace. With your faces lighting up, it's good to see you. It's good to be in a relationship with you. 
That's in one sense what we are trying to do. We are looking at this whole idea. So we need to grow in grace. I mean, the scriptures keeps on encouraging us. The depth and the length and the width of God's grace is keep on expanding. But we have an enormously important role to play in that. We saw that last week. We are to greet one another uh, with grace. We are to grace one another in one sense. Uh, be glad to see one another. Uh, be quick to forgive one another. Be quick to establish one another, to remind one another of, we've been singing, the joy, 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 joy deep in my heart. And the truth is, it's not always there deep in our heart, so we've got to practice. And so we keep on doing this kind of thing. So today what I want us to do is to go, not to, it's not a next stage, it's, it's just a different angle on this whole idea of God's grace. So when you start to play with these theological words like grace, and today we want to look at love, they are not uh, exclusive, they actually are inclusive. So I take it, it's God's love that makes him come to us as a first step in grace. But the idea is that his grace will bring us to engage in his love and to become as loving as he is. So, in your Bibles, I decided to have a quick squiz at John 15, just to try and show you how interesting this whole idea is. So he says there in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So just from that little section there, maybe you want to quickly have a quick discussion with the person sitting next to you. What do you think is Jesus' joy? What is Jesus' joy just from that little passage. Take two minutes. All right, you've got it. So let's pray and then you can go home. That would be real love, isn't it? To make it short and sweet. Fascinating. Jesus' love. As the Father has loved me. So Jesus understands and enjoys the love the Father has for him. That's in one sense where it starts, isn't it? As the Father has loved me. So the Father loves me. And he has loved me. And he keeps on loving me. And I'm in this relationship with the Father because of his love for me. It starts with the Father, in one sense. I am the recipient of this love. But the moment I receive it, I actually give it. So I have loved you. So I'm sharing with you the life, the love that I've received from the Father, I give to you. And I want you to receive it and to remain in that love. And the way you do it, interestingly enough, is by, first I take it, receive it. Secondly, to recognize that Jesus is the one who gives it, and he obviously gives it through his life and through his death, and that's referenced in the, in the background, and he's going to come back to that just now. But also as you then love one another. So we've already seen that joy comes from grace. So when grace is the beginning of a relationship, it's the start, it's the taking initiative to establish a relationship, that's grace. But God's grace is not just so that you will have a beginning of a relationship. 
he actually wants that relationship of yours to grow to completeness. That's really what he's talking about, isn't it? It's fascinating language. I want you not only to know that I want to know you, I want you to grow in your relationship with me until it's complete, until it's fulfilled. Fascinating language, isn't it? That is Jesus' joy. His joy is you and me in relationship with him and with the Father forever. So if you just cast your eyes a little bit to the left, I know I've said, I've kept you with that passage, but John is full of it. So look at John 14 and verse 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey or keep my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So there's the incredible thing. As I love you, as you receive my love, you're not only receiving me, you're actually receiving the Father who has sent me. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So it's love, in one sense, can never just be happy with itself. So Jesus, in one sense, cannot just be happy with loving the Father. He says, that really makes me happy, what really gives me joy, is that I get to love you in exactly the same way as the Father has loved me. He's given his all to me. I gladly give my all to you. And I want you to receive that and to remain in that reality. And in order for you to grow to the fullness of joy, I want you to actually love one another. That's just mind-blowing. God does not want us simply to be forgiven. God wants us to be in a relationship with him where we will actually start to share in his nature and that we will share it with others. That's really what he's on about. So in your Bibles, quickly flip to 1 John because 1 John kind of takes us a little bit further down this road and just adds to what we've already seen. So if you go to 1 John chapter 4, I want to pick up one or two things. So it's interesting. So John, obviously, is 1 John and John is written by the same author. So go to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4 first. Sorry. Uh, and then we'll go to 1 John chapter 4. <laughs> All right. 1 John chapter 1 verse 4. So John is one of these fantastic guys. He actually tells us often why he writes what he's writing. And he's just been writing about Jesus Christ coming into this world. He is life. He's made life known. Uh, he wants fellowship between us and God. God wants fellowship with him. And so he says, we write this to make our joy complete. So they had the same idea. Everything that I'm writing in this letter has the purpose of making our joy complete. I don't want you just to know joy. I want you to have complete joy. Joy that runs the full course of what it means. All right, so you've got it? So flip over to chapter 1 and, uh, sorry, chapter 4 of 1 John. It's confusing, isn't it? 1 John chapter 4. God is love, and anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 7. Then he jumps down. Let's go to verse 10. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So there's the foundation of love. God's love is that he brings grace to us. He invites us into this relationship. Now look at it. It says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So there's the, the direct rea re reality. 
God starts a relationship with you, and God wants you to actually also start, initiate, and grow and work in relationship with other people. That's the nature of God. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. See, there you've got the same idea. No one has ever been able to gaze upon God, and the word is perfectly, consistently, to fully grasp the divine nature. No one has done that. How will we actually get to know this God, interestingly enough, is if we start to love one another. How do we make God visible? Well, we make him visible by our love for one another. Jesus says it in a number of ways. Love one another, for this is how the world will know that I have come. See how fascinating this is. So it places this enormous yeah, joy that is out there for us, and yet it's dependent to a large degree on us actually growing in this joyful relationship of loving one another. So our ability to know God and our ability to show God is dependent on our loving one another because he first loved us. Every time we start there, and so John is going to tell us, uh, look at verse 19, just so that we don't get it wrong, we love because he first loved us. So that's where we start every time. That's why we grace one another every time. That's why grace is what we stand in, because God, that's God's disposition towards us every single day. As long as it's today, God's disposition to mankind is one of grace. I want you to know that I've already provided for everything that is required for this relationship to carry on, to have a relationship and to grow. I've, I've graced you. But I don't want us to stay there. I want us to grow to completeness of joy, to completeness of love, because that's how you will get to know who I am and what it is to walk with me. So in one sense, it's quite simple, straightforward, isn't it? But it's profoundly complicated. Okay, so quickly, turn to one another. What does the world, as you see the movies and the ads, understand by the word love? All right, you've got it. Simple, isn't it? Fascinating word to define love. Because you can love ice cream. I'm deeply in love with salted caramel ice cream. I mean, it's just amazing. So we use the word, it's very, as I say, it's very stretchy. It's a word that obviously has got lots of connotations. Um, And yet, in essence, it obviously almost always has this idea that in order for me to have a relationship with someone else, there is, to some level, at some place, there is a cost involved for me. Somewhere along the line, I have to curb the me, the I, in order to actually have a relationship with you. If I'm all on my own, and I have the entire Hachandas salted caramel to myself, then not a problem, is it? 
the moment you come in and catch me with my hagendas, salted caramel in my hand, I have to say no to a couple of bites in order to share with you what I have received, isn't it? There's a cost involved in actually doing that. And that's what Jesus highlights. So go back to John uh, 15, just very, very uh, shortly, and we're going to play around. What is this cost that is involved for us as humans? And that's, in one sense, huge. And it's difficult because the Bible itself does not seem to spend too much time defining the exact nature and all the implications of this word. It is, it's just simply too big. But anyways, Jesus says there, he says, this is my command. So this is how you remain in my love. Actually, you remain in my love by loving one another. Fascinating. You receive my love. My kind of love is the love that, that not only receives but gives. So when you love me, you give to others. So look at what he says in verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Just as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. That's where he starts. Now he says, I want you to remain in this love of mine. How do I remain in this love? Well, he says, obey my commands and you will remain in my love. What is my command? Love one another. That's like, what? I cannot remain in Jesus' love if I am not determined to love other people. And specifically in the context, other Christians. And the Bible says, love your enemies. I mean, you can't get away from that either. That's weird. Ask me whatever you want. Remember what he says? In my name and the Father will give it to you. Here's the command. This is my command. Love each other. As you ask God in Jesus' name, whatever you want, so what do you want? Lord, help me somehow to love other people. Is that what you want? That would be the right prayer in the light of who he is, isn't it? That's what he's saying. What is it that you want? Ask me whatever you want and the Father will give you. What, what is that? Well, to love as Jesus is loved. And he tells us in verse 14, um, sorry, in verse uh, 12, uh, th- uh, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So to say no to my five extra bites of salted caramel hagendas. I have to lay down my life. Because that's my life. I mean, that's, that's precious to me. I've got to share it with you. It'll cost me something. I have to give it up. That's what he's saying. It's not possible for two people to be in the same room without, at some place, somewhere, I have to give up something of me in order to have that relationship Strong and good and healthy and prosperous. That's what Jesus is saying. At some level, there must be a recognition of you. At some level, there must be an endorsing of you. At some level, there must be space created for you. At some level, I've got to say no to me being me. And that's really what Jesus is driving. So on one hand, it's the simplest thing, isn't it? On the other hand, it's the most complicated, difficult thing that you can imagine to do. Every time you bump into somebody else, at some level it's actually asking you to not just simply be you, but to actually be very relational. And that was going to cost you at some level. 
It's going to lay down something. Maybe you need to lay down your life literally like Jesus. Fortunately, he doesn't tell us because we won't be able to save anybody else by laying down our lives. But laying down life as we have it is really what he's calling for. So maybe just to flesh it out, let's quickly turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You all know that one well, don't you? Does it make sense? So our prayers for complete joy, our prayers for fulfilling the grace that God has started us with every single day of our lives, is that we will have that joy of His grace, of Him acknowledging us, of Him knowing us, of Him knowing that we are dependent on Him, Him giving up His grace, His kindness, His goodness towards us, says, well, that's what you've got to perpetuate. That's what God is after. So in 1 Corinthians 13, I mean, again, it's not a perfect explanation of love, but it was very particular to this congregation that had lots of issues. And so Paul takes the word and he expands on it, given the issue that is. So the first couple of verses, verses 1 to 3, he's really just talking about what they valued. Some of them valued speaking in tongues of men and of angels. And Paul says, if you do that, but you don't have any love, you are just somebody who makes an enormous amount of noise. All right? That's all you are. You're a noisemaker. If you value your gift to the extent that you do it because you need to express yourself, not taking others into consideration, he says, then you're just a noisemaker. You're just a gong. There's no rhythm. There's no sound. There's no purpose. There's no nothing. Second thing he says there, if you know all things, if you have lots of knowledge and you share that, but you don't do it because you love me, he says you are nothing. I mean, it gets worse. <laughs> you are a noisemaker. You are a nothing. If you can move mountains by faith, if you can explain mysteries, if you've got great knowledge but you don't love, you don't do it because you love, he says you're a nothing. And then uh, the last one he says, even if you are very service-orientated, where you give your life and you give away all your possessions to the poor, but you do it in order to boast yourself, look at me, look how cute I am, he says, well, you gain nothing. It doesn't accomplish anything whatsoever, for you at least. Fascinating, isn't it? So, I mean, he's obviously speaking about against the background, but here comes the, the more positive side to it. So how are you doing? With Now, when you think about these things, think about every person that you know, because we're supposed to love one another, isn't it? Lovers, patient. Easy? You need to pray, Jesus. Father, give me Jesus and his spirit so that I can become patient with people. I can... Curb my enthusiasm. Why are you so slow and stupid? And why don't you know? And da, 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 da. Patience. Love is patient. That's what it is. That's what it does. It gives up and it becomes, creates space and room for you to learn and to grow and to try and understand something. I mean, that's what it does in, the, in, the, in its very nature. Love is kind. It seeks to be kind to people despite their performance. You think we should pray? Kind. Kind words, kind behavior, kind acts. Love is kind. That's what it does. Doesn't call you up unless you are where you should be, then I won't do anything for you. It does not envy. 
Wow. If you really love me, you'll allow me to eat my entire Hachandas salted caramel by myself. Doesn't want what somebody else has me. Doesn't envy. And how, how are you doing in love? It doesn't boast. Never talks great about itself. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. <laughs> Difficult stuff, isn't it? It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Hmm. Taxi drivers. It keeps no record of wrongs. Because love and grace, I think, go together. I'm not going to keep a record, hold it against you, pull it out. You know, the old joke about becoming hysterical and historical. You remember that one? Guy goes to the psychologist and he says, I've got a problem with my marriage. Whenever we fight, my wife becomes historical. And he said, uh, no, you mean hysterical? And he says, no, 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 historical. She remembers all the wrongs that I've done in the past. How historically are you about other people's wrongs? Fascinating, isn't it? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So love is not mushy. Love doesn't say it doesn't matter any. It says, no, 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 it matters. Truth is absolutely, I cannot delight in evil. I will take it in that sense, expose it. So John, remember, going back to 1 John, we are jumping around a bit. First thing that John tells us about God's nature is that God is light. And in him there is no darkness whatsoever. God's love can never delight in evil. But he's love. So he offers grace. He offers to pay the price. He offers for you to respond to it. So see how difficult this thing is. It's a thick word, love. It's a thick word. Grace is a thick word. It's not a simple word. It's not a simple, straightforward line. It always protects Always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Gee, <laughs> I take it we need to really pray, Jesus, help us to grow and walk with you so that we may bring our joy, which is how we act in love, to completeness. Love never fails. But where there is prophecies, and then he goes back to what they were battling with, they will cease. Where there are tongues, what they battle with, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, what they battle with, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, there's that word again, what is uh, part disappears. And then he ends off in verse 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So I just take it, I mean, when you just think about this. Our levels of joy is directly connected to our understanding of grace and love and our participation in that. God comes to us in grace because of the joy he has to establish a relationship with us. But he says, your joy will not become complete until that's the kind of thing that you are starting to grow in and practice and live out 
that's how your joy will grow to completeness. And that's how I will be seen and how you will actually be alive. Fascinating, isn't it? It's very simple stuff, isn't it? I mean, we've heard, heard all of this before. I'm sure you have. But it's amazing how God does not settle for anything less than this. Yes, I've graced you, I've loved you, I've cared for you, but I don't want you to stay there. I want you to actually partake, to, I guess, be like me. I want you to experience the wonder, the glory of the fullness of joy, the fullness of life, well, the fullness of love. That's really what we are invited. So, again, our joy will go up and down, often in the light of how do we respond to God's grace and how we share that grace with one another as we love one another. So it keeps on making almost like a, like a spiral. Grace produces love, love produces grace. Grace produces love, love produces grace. And it just keeps on turning. And he says, that's how you will grow into fullness. Because that's God's desire for us, to have the fullness of his love and his grace to be part of it. So I take it, I know it's true about you, but I certainly need to keep on praying. Father, help me to remain in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And remaining is not just receiving, absolutely. Always first. He loves me first. He's loved me. And then immediately it says, well then go and love others. As I have loved you. There's a huge challenge and yet a fantastic reality. He says, that's what I want to grow you into. And the way you grow into it is by doing it. By trusting me and receiving me, practicing it. And when you fail, you come back and you say, I failed. Forgive me. Fail to God, fail to you, forgive me. Here I am. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your enabling so that our joy may become complete. So that's what God is in one sense really after. In the month of Thanksgiving, specifically, I take it. But that's actually what he's doing all the time, isn't it? He's saying, come, receive my grace, but never keep it to yourself. Give it out to those around you. Share my grace, my kindness, my goodness, and practice it in some of the ways that we've seen in 1 Corinthians 13. Well, let's pray together. Father, I must admit, when I read that uh, there's something like joy that can become complete, I'm a little bit skeptical. It's kind of hard to believe that it's possible to grow in increasing measure into a joy that is complete and into a love that is complete, fulfilled, reaching its end goal. Thank you that your love and your grace is powerful and it's dynamic and it's ongoing and it doesn't stop. It keeps on seeking to attach to us. You keep on calling us to yourself every day. Thank you that you have brought some of this reality to bear upon our lives. Thank you for the love that we see in this congregation. Thank you for the care, for the concern, for the sharing of the life of Christ with one another. We stand amazed, Lord, that you can actually bring people like us 
to become more and more like you. We thank you for the many opportunities and the many times we see that in action. And Lord, we long for it to become complete. We ask you to grow our muscles of grace and love in increasing measure so that we may experience more complete joy, I take it, than what we are currently, where we are currently. So thank you that you tell us that we can ask you anything in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ who came to love us as he was loved. And you will give it. So Lord, help us in this week, in this month, in this specific time when we concentrate, help us to ask you for specific ways and maybe for specific people you want us to love. Maybe people we feel resistance to, maybe people we are unsure about, maybe people we don't want to give the benefit of the doubt, maybe somebody we feel we can't be honest with. Lord, we pray that at this very, very practical reality, you would enable us to actually grow in our ability to be patient and to be kind, not to envy and not to boast and not to be proud and not, not to dishonor people, not to be self-seeking, not to be easily angered, not to keep records of wrong, not to delight, Lord, even in pointing out others' evil, but only to rejoice, Lord, in your truth. So help us, Lord, when we have to point out evil, we don't do it out of a delight. Ah, yeah, I'm so much better than you. Look at what you've done. Now, Lord, help us to, to mourn that, to point it out with the hope that we could bring about grace and love, even into those relationships. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will burn into our minds and into our hearts how you have loved us, how far you have gone, how honest you are, how faithful you are, how truthful you are, how gracious you are, how giving you are, how persistent you are, how you don't stop. You keep on inviting. You keep on giving. Oh Lord, we pray that we may experience maybe something of another I'm not sure if that's the right word, but level of the fullness of your grace and your love. And therefore, the joy that we have, that we are attached to you, that you are sticking to us like glue. You don't give up, and you keep on inviting us. Today, when you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. And so, Lord, we pray that somehow we may extend that to one another here, and increasingly to wherever we go. We need, Lord Jesus, your spirit. We need to have absolute conviction about your love for us, which is exactly how the Father has loved you. So we pray that you will deepen our content understanding, but you will also change our hearts and give us deeper convictions and deeper joy and, as we read, deeper obedience, deeper keeping so that we may indeed, Lord, grow in what it means to have more complete joy. So thank you that you don't save us half. Thank you that you want to save us all, completely. Thank you that you want to bring us to fullness and to the end goal is that we will actually share your nature with you. So Lord, take each one of us. You know where we are. You know where we are weak, where we excuse ourselves, where we where we are overwhelmed, Lord, where we are tired, where we have failed, 
where we think we have succeeded. Lord, we ask that you would indeed be very, very, very gracious to us and that you may pour out your love, the love of Christ that will never settle for anything less than perfect joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.